What does it mean to live with less stuff and more compassion? That's the question we aim to answer each week on the Minimalist Vegan Podcast. We're Michael and Marshall O'Fay, and in this episode, we're talking about society's obsession with animals. Specifically, we discuss why we find animals so intriguing, the role animals have played in our childhood, what we learn from living with animals, then we talk about the dynamic of respecting some animals more than others and what we can do to change it. As always, we'll have all the links we mentioned in this episode at the show notes, which you can find at theminimalistvegan.com slash 005. Okay, are you ready? Let's dive in. All right, Marsha. Hey. How are you going? <laughs> Good. Yeah, what are we talking about today? We're talking about our intrigue and obsession with animals. Ooh, intrigue and obsession with animals. All right, well, who knows where this conversation could go? <laughs> I mean, we probably do more so than you guys, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Stay tuned. Uh, yeah, actually, on that note, it's, you know, we've intentionally left this episode a little bit ambiguous so hopefully you stay with us um you know as we take you through this journey but um how this all began um so a couple of weeks ago we um we took my nephew for our uh, nephew, to, uh, our nephew <laughs> yes uh to Jarvis bay for just a, a day trip to the the beach and um as his birthday present yeah as his birthday present uh because yeah we prefer to give him an experience rather than actually... Buying the, him stuff he doesn't need. Yes. Um, <laughs> Marsha's smiling because, yeah, that is... Yeah, we've got a lot of opinions on that, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in another episode. But um, we we booked in for a, a boat ride uh, to go see dolphins. And I just want to make it clear that, you know, the dolphins are out in their complete natural uh, habitat uh, in their pods. And there's so many in this part of Australia. So within, I don't know how many kilometers, like radius, he's, the guy said that there's about a hundred dolphins that live in that area. Yeah. So more or less, you will always see dolphins in that area, but, um, and they go out, I think twice a day Yeah. to show people the beauty of dolphins, but it's also a really beautiful opportunity for them to educate people on how smart dolphins are. Yeah, but uh, y- y- yeah, that they're and you incredibly... see whales as well every yeah. Now you then. do see some whales um, if you're lucky as well. But what what was just fascinating to me is that we were sitting on this boat ride and the dolphins finally came out to say hello, and the energy on this trip just shifted. Everyone was losing their minds just to capture a photo mm. of these dolphins swimming swimming by to say hello, mm. and. Um, you know, every time they came up to the surface, there was like little cheers and like the energy excitement. and excitement around it. And I mean, mind you, there's a lot of tourists that probably yeah. also don't get to see, or they might never have seen well, dolphins. So. Yeah, but we've we're seen excited. dolphin. Yeah, 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 we're pumped. <laughs> but I think it's, I mean, that was the main reason we went with Isaac there, yeah. is to take him on that ride and for him to experience something that he wouldn't otherwise. Yeah. But you know, it's but I think it's 
there's every reason that we should have been excited. I mean, these creatures mm. are absolutely majestic and they know so much. They, you know, I didn't even know that they actually have names for each other through their yeah. own language and clicks and how they communicate. So we're learning all about dolphins and I was thinking, I'm, I'm st- sitting back thinking, wow, we are pretty well in love with these creatures at the moment. Mm. Uh, and then it just I got, just wanted to hug one, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, no, you know, you enjoy them from afar and leave them in their natural habitat. Exactly. So it's it's got me thinking, okay, we love animals. And I was like, why? You know, where did this begin? Like, where did this obsession, this love, this intrigue for animals sort of start? And it got me reflecting... Uh, on my own journey um, and and I think you know you and I were talking about this off air before we started the podcast but you know I think my first memory of animals in my life was actually around fear mm. yeah can you relate to that oh totally um, it was because you just don't know these creatures there's, so, mm. there's something unknown about and unpredictable about what they're going to do and this was everything from in a spider to a domestic dog just on the street to a bird that you've never seen before mm. um, there was a level of fear but at the same time there was a level of intrigue well you know as a child you are warned and also trained by your family typically to not approach any animals or I mean particularly spiders and snakes and all of those more slightly dangerous ones that could be life-threatening yep so from a young age you're trained to be mindful of some and nurture the other so that's I think where subconsciously then you kind of have this fear of the unknown because you're not sure or if you haven't talked to your parents about one particular animal, you don't know how to approach it if it's the first time that you're seeing it in your yeah, life. Yeah, you don't know if you're actually safe. Yeah. Because, you know, what box do you put this animal in? Yeah. Is this animal going to hurt me? Yeah. Or can it, is it yeah. going to be friendly with me? We don't know. Yeah. And, but, but that, I think that fear, as I said, as much as we're fearful of animals, we were intrigued by them. Mm. And and that's what I wanted to sort of talk about in the first part of this conversation is, you know, thinking about all the different types of examples, not everyone, because we don't have all week to talk about it, but um, just some rapid fire examples of how animals have been weaved into our culture mm. and how we think about them today. Um, do you have any that come to mind? Um, well, I think from a very young age animations and storybooks yeah. play a massive role in your childhood. Yeah. So, you know, anything from Disney movies Ooh, to Disney. um you know, books with Peter Rabbit. Peter Rabbit was one of my favorites when I was younger. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of animals introduced in a really gentle, heartwarming uh, it's part of storytelling. Yeah, way um, into your life. and But it's they make this world that's non-existent. So, you know, very um, imagination-driven. Yeah. And um, so that's like, for me, that's the first, first thing, that, thing comes that comes to is... mind is because of something that you you start off your life with, you know, nursery rhymes as well. 
Yeah, you remember your mum and dad reading and, and singing. <clears throat> yeah, nursery yeah. rhymes, which are based around animal characters. Yeah. It's, you know, we, in, in, in preparation for this episode, we just put out a few feelers on Instagram just to ask uh, people uh, who their favourite animated characters are that are animal-based. And we had a, a couple here. Um, Snoopy came up. <laughs> Snoopy the dog, uh, which is always a fan favourite. Uh, we had Anthea ask if a Smurf, a Smurf, sorry, is an animal. <laughs> so I suppose I looked it up on Wikipedia, and I suppose they're a cross between like a creature and a human. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, uh, we also had Bambi that came up because of just the, I think the emotion around that character, mm. uh, and I think you just felt a lot of empathy for the situation mm. that Bambi was in. Uh, and then we had a. This one I can't pronounce because I think it's German. Grisu? Uh, Grisu, yeah, which is a um, like a, a green dinosaur-looking creature uh, as well. And I was reflecting on my, I suppose, like my favourite animated animal character. And it definitely Puss in Boots, I think, is absolutely hilarious. Uh, and just the way... Um, for those of you who don't know, that's part of the, you know, Puss in Boots is uh, narrated by who? Antonio Banderas. Yeah. And it's part of the Shrek series. And he had his own standalone film. And my nephew made us watch this this movie. And we were very pessimistic. Uh, but we ended up loving it. It was absolutely hilarious. But just how they play on, like, the cat tendencies into this character. Mm. That's really confident. It was hilarious. Mm. Uh, what about yourself? Oh, well, I've been thinking about this all day and I honestly can't pinpoint one in particular um, because depending on which stage in my life, there was probably a favourite in each yeah. section. But I mean, Peter Rabbit would have to be up there for yeah. me. Um, I did also enjoy Donald Duck. Yes. Um, Donald Duck. Because I loved watching um mickey mouse and all of that when i was younger yeah the classics yeah I your mean, sister your sister had a good one she talked about one? um she told me pegasus well. of the the hercules movie oh uh, yeah, yeah yeah like <laughs> and also the mouse from cinderella like the oh, fat the little fat mouse one. yeah yeah he's <laughs> adorable with his <laughs> yeah so um like so when you know I'm so I'm sure look you guys all have your own favorite characters we'd love to hear about them as well maybe uh hit us up on Instagram at the minimalist vegan and let us know who your favorite is but I think even when I talk about these characters it makes like me feel warm and fuzzy inside mm. you know brings back those really comforting um fun times right yeah absolutely yeah. Uh, what are some other examples of how animals are integrated into our lives well, after that, I guess, going from being a baby, a, you know, a, a toddler, then going into school and learning yeah. about um, animals in school. So, obviously, through school, school excursions, you know, watching documentaries. Yeah. Like from David Attenborough and... Doing assignments, homework. Yeah. Based like, on, you know, native creatures. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly right. Having to present back to the class. And also learning yeah. about your own backyard, like all of the animals that are, you know, yeah, 
like for us here in Australia, you've got the kangaroo, the koala, all those typical, you know, the, platypus, the ones. Yeah. The echidna. Yeah. Wombat. Wombat. <laughs> Yeah, so. a dingo. Yeah, these are things you, you learn about sort of native creatures in your country. And then all the birds as well. All that we the have. different types of birds that mm. you have as well. Um, yeah, there's, there's an abundance of information. And not only, you know, current animals, but prehistoric as well and dinosaurs. Mm. And Our dinosaurs are massive in most kids' lives. Yeah. And, and again, there's, they're so fascinating because there's an intrigue there because there's a lot of fear. Like, there's, there's so much we don't know about them. Um, and, of course, films like Jurassic Park have been so big as a result. Um, they've reached so many people um, because they create that feeling for us as well. So... Yeah, so you absolutely have school, you've got documentaries, so I think a lot of us can relate to listening to David Attenborough's peaceful voice on a Sunday afternoon uh, talking about leopards or killer Mm. whales. Mm. So uh, again, because we're just so curious and hungry to learn as much as we can about things that we don't know much about. Mm. Um, I know uh, beyond that as well, you've got like Zodiac, you've got like Astrology, so we talk about like the Chinese New Year. This year is a year of the pig. Um, so, you know, we weave in sort of animal traits and characteristics into, you know, big cultural celebrations as well. Yeah. Um, and the other point I wanted to talk about is just like, I think we have a tendency to always talk about, or oh, what are our favorite animals or what animal best represents you or what and animal then, would you be if you could be one exactly right and then you know i used to play a lot of team sports like you'd name your t- your team after an animal mm. like you're the bears or the cougars or the tigers um you know to elicit some sort of identity to your team based on this animal mm. um so you know as you think about it uh, we could sit here all day and talk about you know how animals are sort of we're obsessed with them in so many different ways. Mm. Um, From a very young age. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but then I, I wanted to shift gears a little bit and and now talk about, cool, we've been influenced by animals, but it takes it, takes it to another level when you actually live with them, mm. like day in, day out. And I'm more specifically talking about pets in this situation. So I think... You know, I'm just curious for, you know, Marsha and I both have a a fur baby in Chewy, but I'm just curious from yourself in terms of like, you know, what have you learned about animals from living with Chewy and looking after him? Well, the main thing that I've learned, I guess, is that animals are very similar in their mannerisms, the way that they, um, you know, get shy or... Uh, get excited and um, I see now that we have Chewy I see him in every single animal that I see yeah Um, as soon as I lock it with their eyes I see Chewy in them yeah which is really interesting because I never used to identify with animals I mean I I knew that they were you know that they were all from the animal kingdom and that they all had mouths ears nose and mouth and all of that but it just brought it to that reality of well he's no different to them yeah um 
the only difference is that he's been domesticated. Yeah. And that he is lucky enough to live in a home. Yeah. Um, and get fed, get looked after, get walked, get loved, get cuddles, kisses, everything. Yes. So, um, yeah, so that's where I, f- I find that it's it's shifted a lot since owning a dog. Not owning, I shouldn't say owning. Having an animal companion in the house. Um, yeah, and you learn, they've got like lots of little quirks. Mm. Oh, he's and definitely got a lot of personality. Every every And every animal is different. Every personality has its own. Uh, sorry, every animal has its own personality like we do. Yeah. So there are some things that we know not to do around him because he doesn't like it. Or we know that there are some things that scare him. We know some things... He's scared of doors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I yeah. think there must have been an experience before we got him where he was... I don't know. I don't know what's happened, but he has a phobia of like if the door's slightly open he won't push it to get through. Whereas my family, my parents' family dog, she'll force her way through if she wants to do it. Yeah. Whereas if even if he can just squeeze through, no, he won't do it. He needs to be open well enough and he needs to feel confident if you're opening the door for him that he has enough time and space to get through. Otherwise, he's not going (laughs) to chance it. And sometimes he kind of creepily walks towards the door and then runs through it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. It's... I don't know what his phobia with that is, but I also don't want to tease him with it. Yeah. Because I don't want to create more of a fear for him. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. But, yeah, and he, you know, he has moods. Mm. Like, he can literally... (laughs) He can go from sleeping to wanting to play like that. Like, it's just... It's up and down. And, And I think, you know, when I talk to just friends family colleagues about pets it's like children mm. like you could talk for hours about your pet and yeah. everyone pulls Show out their phone photos yeah everyone pulls out their phone and it begins right so yeah. everyone's looking for their best shot they're yeah. trying to do justice they're yeah. trying to do like, justice oh, this one may not be as cute let me yeah. let me let me find another one or i didn't get the reaction i wanted out of you for this one let me just yeah. try and find a cuter picture yeah. of my dog last episode we talked about our love hate relationship with social media uh this got me thinking about how many instagram accounts are dedicated to dogs mm. mind and you pets we and cats. Hard, we've never really posted any photos of chewy i know but i was just saying that yeah. like Oh yeah, yeah there's no, like I just, fam- I just there's famous there's yeah. famous pets oh, yeah. uh, on social Easy. media um as well. And and I'm part of a um a Facebook group because we have a like a a cavoodle or he's a crossbreed between a poodle and a um cavalier. And so I've joined this cavoodle group on Facebook and my god, it is um talk about an obsession <laughs> with dogs but you know it, people are posting photos and videos what seems to be all day every day about their cavoodles doing the most weird and funniest things and sharing information and education about the best way to raise them as well so um but i think you know living day in day out with chewy as as taught me yeah like okay yes he's very different to the way I live, but in many ways it's very similar. Mm. And uh, it's it's definitely helped me to create 
more empathy and a bond for all animals um, because you start to see those tendencies like of fear and sadness and happiness and excitement and even anger, annoyance, like mm. these common emotions that we feel mm. he has as well. Mm. And, and then that starts to cascade towards all these animals, are these uh, other animals that I come across with the same type of emotions as well. Mm. Um, so that's been really fascinating to sort of experience uh, on a daily basis and you know this is not just common for dogs but this is for any pet that you might have and spend time with mm. um all the time as well so um any other things you've learned from chewy the main thing for me is just you know making sure that he gets what he needs that he's looked after because i know that there is a lot of dogs out there and pets and animals that don't get the care that they need and, um, you know, even just when we go for our morning walk, sometimes I see dogs that are completely neglected. Yeah. And they're not held in the same regard as mine is. And that just makes me a little bit sad. Yeah. But I think it's just making sure that, you know, he gets his walks. He gets his, he loves snuggling. He loves cuddles. He loves kisses. And he loves to play. He loves to play as well, but you know that uh, that emotional um, uh, satisfaction or that need needs to be met for him to yeah. be a happy dog. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I think that that's obviously only natural. So yeah, there's a nurturing being, there's a nurturing side definitely. Yeah, I mean, some dogs just want to be left alone. Yeah, a lot more independent <laughs> dogs out there. But um, it's seeing and understanding that he's not one of those. I mean, there are moments that he wants to be left alone, which is great. Very rarely. But most of the time, if you're around him, he wants to be near you. If you're at home, he wants to know where you are. <laughs> he, yeah. he won't be outside. <laughs> he wants to be inside with you. Yeah. If you sit down on the couch, he wants to be on your lap. Yeah. So... um and it's beautiful, you know, and it's these things that we sometimes take for granted um, when, you know, even when we go away for a couple of days, you miss that. You go, oh, it's not like you kind of go, oh, where's my dog? Yeah. You know, where's Chewy? Where is his attention-seeking <laughs> little yeah. face? Yeah. Um, and excitement when you walk in the door. Still to this day, you leave the house for two minutes, come back in. It's like he hasn't seen you for five years. So... um yeah, I think it's I think it's a beautiful thing and it's really nice that we can give love and show love to another being. Yeah. So Aww. Yeah. That's nice. Lovely. So then the the question I have now is we it's fair to say that many of us, Marsh and I for sure, we love animals. And no matter how dangerous they are, um or how small they are, it's there. There are some common characteristics across all species, uh, and I think Marcia just touched on it. These emotions, but I'm just curious now that, in one way, we are pretty obsessed with animals. Uh, what other ways are we obsessed with animals, Marcia? Eating them. Mm. So, it's this is another element to i suppose the relationship between humans and animals we 
we love to learn about them. We love to live with them, nurture them. But at the same time, we also do love to consume them. And this is just a reality. Uh, You know, this this is a a really interesting concept. And and I just wanted to bring up an article that I wrote a little while back called... um, And it's also a chapter in our book, uh, which is... You know, I, heard, I kept I kept hearing people say this, uh, particularly uh, some peers that I had when we talk about veganism. They always said that, "Oh, I love animals, like I absolutely love them, um, but I could never give up meat, or I could never give up leather, or I could never give up cheese or milk. There was a but something. Mm. Like I love animals, but and." And this, to me, was just a really interesting statement uh, because I used to feel the same way. Now, I didn't probably have as strong as a bond of animals when I was vegan before, but I definitely loved them for all the reasons we talked about before. But I was definitely one of those people who thought that, yeah, I really love animals, but, you know, I also like consuming them and I also like consuming specific types of animals which are different to the animals that I love. But you didn't make that connection to be able to to word it the way that you are now. Absolutely, no. Um, but that's sort of what I wanted to talk about a little bit here. Uh, and not in a preachy way. <laughs> um, we'll but try our best. We'll try yeah. our best. But um, what is that about? What is this, you know, particularly those who, who have pets and live with animals and nurture them they're so tightly integrated you know you've got photos upon photos and videos in your phone with these animals uh yet your next meal is going to be consuming them what do you think that's about Marsha? okay so well i think there's two things here i think it's one of them is that they don't make the connection yep that they don't see that the chicken that's on their plate was once a living, breathing, feeling animal that had its own personality and its own life that didn't need to be taken away from them. So they don't, they don't, that's, there's a disconnect because they didn't have to kill it themselves and they didn't see those eyeballs looking back at them. So. Yeah. So, and that's, you know, we experience that as well. Yeah. Before becoming vegan. Oh, totally. So. I mean, and we're not saying these things to, I think it's, this is our reality now because we've made the connection. Yep. It wasn't our reality before that. Yes. And it, that was only four and a half years ago. Yep. Um, and the other thing is, I think the thing that people tend to hide behind is that, well, we've always done it. Yeah. Our ancestors right. did it. Uh, you know, if you look at the paleo diet in particular, when people say, you know, back in the caveman, Stone Age yeah. and caveman days, that's what we did because we had to hunt to survive. Yeah. But the problem with that is, is that we don't know one who hunts now for survival. Only people that live out in the middle of nowhere that have no choice but to consume animals because they can't either probably grow enough food themselves um you know people in really cold climates they can only pretty much survive on fish or fly in 
produce yeah. from other countries. So there is an exception to the rule, but 90% of the world, I mean, I'm really making this percentage up, but to me, in reality, a lot of people can live on a plant-based diet. So to know that we're looking at history in a way that we're bringing it back to using it in the same way now, it's not realistic because we have an abundance of so many other foods that we can thrive on compared to what we did when we were in the in the Stone Age, in yeah. the, you know, in the caveman. Yeah, and there's also, you know, we talk about evolution. Mm. There's, a, there's a lot of things that we, uh, you know, we drive cars now. We, mm. uh, <laughs> we have phones and technology. We can go to outer space. Uh, yeah, we can go to outer space. So there's a lot of things that uh, we don't do, uh, like we do now that we didn't do back then. Because we've evolved, mm. and and I think that uh, it's it's interesting to me to see that yeah it's I think it's probably the word I like to use is uh, unnecessary. Mm. So when we look at consumption of animals, particularly in two thousand and nineteen, uh, particularly in the Western world, you're likely in the Western world if you're listening to this podcast now, is you know, we have a choice. So it's gone from a necessity to not. So with that choice and with our love for animals, um, I just find that really interesting how, um, you know, I used to, you used to, and many of us still do live in that, I won't say contradiction, but you've got your foot sort of in both parties. Mm. You know what I mean? You love one, but you eat the other. Yeah. Um. So, and and you know, when I look at the type of animals that are consumed, you know, I think, uh, you know, we and we talked about this before, in terms of, you know, tying in our identity and status related to the type of animal that you desire to be. You know, eye of the tiger, <laughs> as they say in Rocky. Um, I think there's a certain level of respect that we have for different types of animals, would you say? Mm. Especially yeah. the more... Um, what's the word? Dangerous. Dangerous and fiery and, you know, they have Alpha. That. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the more dangerous and alpha and dominant the animal is, we tend to have more respect for them. Mm. And the more weaker the animal is physically or mentally, intellect, intellectually, um, we tend to have less respect for them. So, um, you know, that to me is also really interesting because um, I have never spent like day in, day out with chickens, for example. Um, but I have spent enough time with chickens to know um, that they're pretty funny. Mm. and 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 <laughs> they they have a lot of personality um and it's really clear to me that you know if you approach a chicken and they don't know you they have fear mm. and they what do they do they run away mm. in a funny way yeah in a, in a really <laughs> funny way 
uh, until you win over their trust uh, mm. with some food and things. And then, you know, you can live in, in harmony together. So it's really clear that they have that same emotion. And I'm sure mm. that if I was to spend more time with a chicken, I start to learn so much more about them. Mm. And dare I say, give a chicken a name and really build that relationship. Um, it will probably change the dynamic altogether mm. of what I think of chickens. Mm. Uh, but I think it's also the same for cows and pigs um, and fish. Uh, there's a certain level of respect that I see from culture. And I know this because that's the way I used to think of it as well. Mm. Couldn't possibly eat a dog, I used to think, because they're a dog. Um. So, yeah, I, I just... Guys, there's no call to action with this conversation. We just wanted to have a really... Uh, frank conversation about just some of our general feelings and and I think what triggers this is I know uh, here where we live every now and then when we get on the highway uh, we see trucks of sheep cows as well and cows and no matter what we're doing what type of conversation we're having in the car this this situation will more or less reduce Marsha to, to tears uh, every single time and if, it feels like this is happening a few times a month yeah. at this point. Can you talk to me about just, you know, what those breakdowns are about? Um, now I'm going to start crying. It's, I mean, I can tell what the truck looks like from afar. So I kind of anticipate, do I look, don't I look? I mean, half the time they're empty. And some of the times they're full. And especially when they're turning the corner, they're so full that the animals literally are shuffling from one side to the other trying to stay on their feet. But they also don't have any space to even try and fall down because they're so crammed into that tiny space and yeah. confined in such a way that they probably even can't breathe properly. Yeah. Um. And they just look all so stressed. And I just typically manage to see the face of one or two of them. Like last week, one cow poked its head out and it was so gorgeous. And as soon as I saw its eyes, I thought of Chewy. Yeah. And then you see those animals and you feel totally helpless. Like there's nothing that you can do, but you know what their destination is. Yeah. And why they're on that truck so that we can eat them. Yeah. Yet none of them deserve to die for a meal. Yeah. So that's what I really struggle with is that none of them actually want to die. They're all scared of dying like a lot of us. They all have emotions like a lot of us do. And it just doesn't seem... It doesn't seem fair that we we put them down to a point where we feel like we're superior to them and that it's okay for us to take their lives away from them just so that we can fill our bellies with something that we think tastes delicious. Yeah. So, and like, you know, like I've seen graphic footage and, you know, bullets to the head come to mind like all these images and it just kind of it actually emotionally really is draining to see something like that yeah um 
I mean, I even know people that since becoming vegan, they've really emotionally struggled with it. Yeah. Because they don't, when you start thinking on a massive global scale, every single second, thousands and millions of animals are dying just because we want to eat them and exploit them in some way. It's It can be overwhelming. Yeah. Um, but that I think that real local example is, you know, I think, yeah, seeing the truck, connecting with one animal and they're seeing the fear in the eyes of the animal. So it's yeah. not like we're... And then going home yeah. to your dog and going, you are so lucky yeah, to be in the body that you're in. And it was not his choice to be born a dog and it wasn't that cow's choice to be born a cow and it wasn't our choice to be born humans. Yeah. We're just very lucky to be what we are. Yep. That's um, very, very true. Uh, it is the luck of the draw to, you know, determine what what type of body you end up in. Mm. Uh, so, uh, thank you for sharing that. I know that's very emotional for you. So, I, I think... Where do we go to from here? All right. So I think the challenge for that that sort of we've gone through and would love to challenge you as a listener, um, if you haven't thought about this already, is is really reflecting on uh, everything that you genuinely love about animals and, and think about what intrigues you about them, what excites you about them, what makes you fearful of them. For those of you who live with animals, you know, what's that relationship like? What have you learned from your pet dog or cat or horse or rabbit or hamster? Um, what have you learned from them? What tendencies have you seen from them? Have you and seen those emotions? what would your emotions? life be yeah. like without them? Like, yeah. you know, what what void are they feeling in a way in your life as well? And and can you imagine your life without them in it? Absolutely. It's really difficult because yeah. you've built this bond and this relationship with them that you feel like you can't go without anymore. Yeah. So then with that, um, maybe look at some of the animals that um, you find hard not to consume. Um, and let's just start with food. But if you really love pork and bacon, for example, um, I suppose the challenge is to maybe go and and do a bit of independent research and Googling uh, to maybe learn about pigs. They're highly intelligent Yeah, animals. but go, go learn about pigs in the same way that you would learn about a great white shark or a gorilla. Or a lion. Go do that same level of research. Go David Attenborough a pig. <laughs> Does uh, he actually... This is interesting. Yeah, maybe we can find something to series? add to the show notes. Yeah. But does David Attenborough... Does he ever do any episodes on cows, on pigs, on sheep? On those... T- the types of animals I'm sure he has. I'm sure he has. I haven't seen... I haven't seen it personally. We might... I'm, I'm going to do some digging around and yeah. see if I can those up for you. Yes. But these animals that we consider to be a commodity, they're a little bit more boring perhaps on the surface because we've dumbed them down. I'd love for you guys to maybe 
spend a bit of time learning about them. Now, this is not for you to just go and become vegan. That's not what we're saying. But just go spend a bit of time learning about them. Um, and I'd love to hear what you come back with. I'm going to do this exercise as well um, because I, I think it'll be fascinating. I'll, I'll, I'll pick personally cows um, because I think cows have been given a bit of a bad rap in terms of the respect. Um, and, you know, you hear it all the time. Cows are boring. What are the use of cows? Blah, blah, blah. So... But yeah, go do a bit of research and and see what you come up with. Then maybe for that particular animal, just experiment. If it's just one day a week, a few days a week, a couple of weeks of a month of stop consuming that animal. See if you can establish a bit of a connection or relationship with that specific animal. Um and just and just see how your how you respond. See if it was hard. See if it was easy. Um, but I think the the hardest thing is actually just is putting yourself in that vulnerable position to learn about this animal, mm. right? And I think that's what compassion is really about. It's it's about being able to use empathy and put yourself in the shoes of others, and to have a bit of love for those um, beyond yourself. And I think that love is going to come from learning about them. And creating a bit of curiosity about and them as well. Having a connection with them, yeah, and and finding if you have a pet, you know, finding the uh, connection between your pet and that cow, or yeah. between you, your characteristics and that cow, you yeah. Because again, as we said before, we all feel emotions, and we all have fundamentally the same needs in life. Yeah, you know, to be fed, to be looked after. To, to feel, feel safe. loved, yeah. yeah, to feel safe, to have enough water to drink. You know, we all need sleep. We all need sunshine. Yeah. But, you know, I think a lot of animals don't even see the light of day. Yeah. So, um, yeah, pique that curiosity just by digging a little bit deeper and spending that time and seeing how much of a connection we actually do have yeah with all animals yeah okay sounds good guys look we we might leave it at that um but yeah love to to hear your thoughts about what animal you end up choosing and again we're talking about an animal that is typically consumed the most uh whether it be in your life or that you just see more broadly and and just see what we can learn about them Um, that's what we'd love to get out of this episode Um, so yeah thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week thanks guys thanks for tuning in alright bye woo what a delicate topic I mean do you ever catch yourself thinking I love animals but I get it our minds are trying to protect us from discomfort from what we already know, what we've been conditioned to believe. But if you listen to the show, you have compassion for others. I know it. The challenge is to practice. Learn about the personalities behind the animals on your plate. Can you form a connection? Or do you even want to? Big questions, I know. I know. But you can do it. You can find more information about this topic at 
theminimalistvegan.com slash 005. That's theminimalistvegan.com slash 005. You guys, we got our first couple written reviews on iTunes. As newbie podcasters, this is like so exciting to see. Um, I want to give a special shout out to Delaney R, who says, Inspiring and realistic. Absolutely loved it after listening to the very first four podcasts back to back. I love the way the conversations have a natural flow and each topic making you think a little deeper about things you take for granted. So inspiring, all the best. I'm sure you're going to inspire millions of people from the way you live your life. Oh, thank you, Delaney. That's the plan. <laughs> uh, and then we have user Antskiss says, Thank you for sharing your story, your insights, and your hearts with us. You are inspiring on so many levels. You've definitely made an impact in my life. Can't wait to keep listening as the conversations evolve. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Antskiss. We really appreciate that. Um, your ratings and reviews mean a lot to us. It's kind of strange sitting in a basement with microphones plugged into a laptop talking about random topics. But to know that you're out there and getting value from our conversations is what keeps us going. Uh, so please keep the reviews coming and I'll continue to read them out um, on here, on air. So there it is. Episode 5 of the Minimalist Vegan Podcast. Here's to living with less stuff and more compassion. Till next time, peace.